0: Tonight's episode is brought to you by Vendetti Optics, Sherpa.com, and you, our listeners. One of them devil things, you know, everyone's got the devil's backbone, the devil's kitchen, the devil's bathtub. You don't want to be in the devil's bathtub, I assure you. Um, Don't ask me how I know. up all of you wayward souls and welcome back to the wayward stories podcast wayward stories is the podcast where we tell stories of adventures in the great outdoors and self-discovery um our wanderings and our wonderings and tonight y'all i assure you tonight is going to be replete with stories of wanderings and wonderings if um you looked at the the title of the episode you saw that uh it may, it, may, it may seem at first glance that it's uh, not going to be on topic for anything outdoor related, but I assure you, much to the opposite. It is going to be the exact opposite of that. The whole episode tonight is going to be about basically the last four years of my life adventuring all over the Midwest the Southwest. Oh my gosh, all over, all over. So it's going to be a good episode. But first, before we get into that, I just wanted to say that right up front in the first like 30 seconds to assure you we are going to be on topic tonight. So so don't run off. Um, And we're just going to do a very, very short bit of housekeeping and then we're going straight into it. We're going to talk for a long time tonight, most likely. Um, But housekeeping. In the last episode, I used the word cathartic wrong. Okay. I just need to clear that up. I caught it. Um, I used cathartic and catharsis in a manner that was rather procedural. Just doing some procedural things that your soul finds very soothing. That is the incorrect way to use catharsis. Catharsis is actually defined by an intense outpouring of emotion that results in the same thing. Basically a soothing of the soul. But it's like an ugly cry. Or maybe having a rage fit in the backyard and beating up a big you know, teddy bear or something, whatever it takes for you to get whatever is inside out. And it needs to be of intense nature. I'm sure it's kind of a subjective definition, but essentially ugly cry is probably a good one. Have a good ugly cry. Then you have done something cathartic. That is a catharsis to make you feel better. I used it incorrectly. And I just wanted to clear that up because I am a big proponent of precision in speech. Say what you mean, mean what you say and know what the hell you're talking about when you say it. I did not last week. I used it generally. It got the point across. It was the only word that felt right to use at the time, but it was incorrect. On top of that, I also noticed listening on my way in from the loo the night before last Well, I just got back on my way back in. I thought I'll listen to the episode that's about to drop, you know, it's like two days before drop. I'll listen to it on the way back in. I've got a six and a half hour drive and I'll just chill. You know, I haven't heard it in a couple of weeks and it's been out of my mind for a couple of weeks and sometimes, you know, do a little proofing like that. Come at it with fresh ears and see if you're still putting out stuff that's halfway decent. And I listened to it and I caught a place where something happened and I coughed. I typically catch those. Like whenever my voice starts to get dry, my throat starts to get dry, I will feel it coming on and I'll find a normal, like a natural break point, like a natural stop point in the the te- like my narration, so to speak, or whatever I'm talking about. And then I will stop. I will cough, swallow, get all the weird, ugly mouth noises out of the way that I can in like a 30 second little break there. And then I'll move on. And then I cut it out later. I missed one. First time in 45 episodes, I missed one and it was in the last episode. It gave me a heart attack. I was like, crap, I have to get home. I have to like re-upload this into iMovie. I have to clip that out. And I was like, you know what? No, F it. No, you don't. You got too much going on in your world. Nobody's perfect. You, you It's cool. People cough on podcasts. You hear it all the time on other podcasts. Relatively often, one's not going to make or break you. So I do apologize if it like blows your speakers out or catches you off guard in the last episode whenever you hear me cough. You have my apologies for that. But I'll be honest, it is what it is. See there, I just actually had to do that. You didn't even know it through the magic of movie editing. Um. Anyway, one other short note of housekeeping. I am back home from the loo and I just got here and uh the kitty boy is back in the house with me and he is being quite needy he is very pushy in his old age he can be a little bit of a grumper so you might hear some yowling in the background he's been roaming around under my feet for the last few minutes as I've been setting up to go here and biting things like cords that he shouldn't he's letting me know he's unhappy that old dad went out of town for two weeks um, but he'll be okay. But if you hear any yowling in the background or, you know, I don't know, glass bottles being pushed off of shelves, he's doing it on purpose, but it's all good. This is just how we coexist in our world. Um, but let's get on to it, y'all. Let's get into tonight's episode. Y'all, you may have noticed from the title, Bye Bye Big Purple. Any of you that have listened for very long at all, or from the beginning, Or know me personally. A lot of people that I know actually listen to my show, which shocks me, but they do. Any of you that have known me for very long or have listened to the show for very long know that, you know, who Big Purple is, who I've spent the last four and a half to five years, God is pushing on up there, but four and a half years traveling this vast country of ours, delivering, you know, adult diapers, boxes of dog food, various other sundry items, you know whatever. People feel the hankering to order for themselves and not go get at Walmart or Target or wherever. Um, and just all over the country. And it has been quite a experience. It's been a very valuable experience. It's been a miserable experience and it's been an amazing experience. It's been basically my life for the last four and a half years. And it has come to an end. Finally, much to my relief, I have longed for this day for. Probably most of the years I've worked there, to be honest. Um, but sometimes way more than others. It's sometimes I was like, today's the last day for me. I'm done. And I reached a point a few, just a couple of months ago. God, well, when I talked about the Columbus trip, um, y'all, I literally was kicking my employment six hours down the road for like a week and a half. Every day I was like, well, crap. Let's just see how today goes and you can go home tonight after work. You, you're, I was done. I was done. You can only get treated those kinds of ways for so long before it's like, I got enough money in the bank, I'm going home, right? But it finally has come to an end on good terms. I finally found a employer that, uh, but it works. It works. It's that point in my life, y'all. I've been needing to get off the road for a long time, but finding money in this economic suck hole, you know, that I live in, it's hard to actually pay the bills and it's even worse now with all the super hyper type inflation that we've been having since this Ukraine invasion situation. Um, It's been really tough, but like finally the right thing came along. It seems like a really good fit. They seem excited to have, have me and I'm happy to go. And so it's finally worked out and I finally get to say bye-bye, big purple. Here's a big middle finger. Thanks for all the effing fish. You know what I mean? So this is a big life event for me. Tonight's episode, y'all, is probably going to be really long. I mean, we might push two hours. I don't know. God, y'all, I've had to scale back at times on just different subjects. But tonight's a big one. And There's a lot to talk about. The reason I said right up front, don't run off, don't be scared away by the title, because we are going to talk about traveling tonight. We're going to talk about all the places I've been, the things I got to do there. I'm going to give you some insights to things you should do when you go there. Like We're just going to talk about it in general, but it's going to follow along, essentially. You know the the story arc that I've been talking about from the beginning about you know what I've been through, why I wanted to make this podcast to start with, what I've been through, what I've learned from it, and where I'm going with it, and where I intend to go from here forward. It's it seems very apropos. It seems very fitting that we spend as much time as is necessary for me to emote my way through the literal closing of a chapter, the ending of an era. Because as much as I hated that place, there's a lot of things that I did love about it, too. You know, there really were. And it gave me and afforded me a lot of opportunities I would have never gotten otherwise. Um, And so we're just, you know, we're going to talk tonight about it. And it'll be as long as it is. But if you'll hang around and listen, I assure you, you guys will likely be entertained because I've got stories literally From San Francisco, California, all the way to Columbus, Ohio, all the way down to Jackson, Mississippi, and basically every point in between. And I can give you a lot of insight into some awesome stuff to do out there, things that I did. And that's just, that's it. We're going to do this tonight. We are doing the dang thing. We're going to send it. You know, that's what I think makes me the saddest is like... All the connections I've gotten to make with all the people in all these different cities, I still have friends out in Cali. That I could probably hit up tomorrow. If I had wound up in San Francisco, I could hit them up tomorrow. And we would probably be sitting at the beach tomorrow night. Like, I have friends in Indianapolis. My boy Jared, he's up there living his best life. For real, real. And he is a good, good man. I hope he listens to these podcasts someday. He is a really good man. Like, there are so many people. I've made so many good friends in St. Louis. And then you make these weird, like, just weird connections. Like, sometimes you're just out there and you're just having fun. You know? Like, you're just having fun being a human. And that's, I don't know, that's a special thing to me. I think that's a very valuable thing, making real human connections, even if they just last for 30 seconds. I think that's what the world needs a lot of right now. I mean, we need a lot more than that, but I think the world needs a lot more of that and things like that, where we just be human to each other and be real with each other. Like, I tell you what, like, let me just, I was going to embarrass myself right out of the gate tonight. We're 10 minutes in, let's go ahead. You know, if we can't laugh at ourselves, right? Like we need to be able to laugh at me. I laugh at me all the dang time, so you should too. Last, not last Friday, but the Friday before, I was rolling back into the terminal, driving my giant P1000 delivery truck, and I get to the last, okay, so it's Friday afternoon, right? It's been a long, horrid week, and I mean, we don't get weekends off, because it ain't even really, it's not even really my Friday. Okay, but weekends are usually a little bit lighter. There's a paycheck that just went in the bank. You know, you're feeling pretty good. It's Friday. Everyone's going home. People are in a little bit better mood when you run into them. I'm baking down the interstate, you know, doing 76. I can say that now because I'm no longer employed there. Those big P1000s, they're governed at 76. And I assure you, if you see one on the interstate, you can pace it. That's how fast they're going. You just put it in the floor. Long, Long as you can keep your foot there, you're rolling. And I'm rolling down the interstate, both doors open, listening to this awesome radio station up there in St. Louis. It's called the Arch, and it's like all over the place, y'all. I think it's 106.5 or 105.6, one of the two, but it's all over the place, right? I've been listening to the radio a little bit more here lately because that station's pretty awesome. And it was totally 80s weekend is what was going down, kicking off on Friday. And I'm rolling back, right? I'm flying back into the terminal. I hit the ramp. I've been rocking out the whole way. And, of course, it's Friday at, like, 5 o'clock, roughly, 5.30, something like that. And what's on the radio? What's the Arch playing? It's Friday. It's the end of the work week. It's around 5 o'clock. Well, we're listening to Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. Well, I'm over here sitting at this stoplight. Both doors open. Totally just dead to the world around me. I'm just on my way back to the terminal. I'm done with this, sitting at the off-ramp. Stoplight holding us up. So I'm over here, dead stop. Doors wide open, swear to God. And I'm like, working nine to five, what a way to make a living. And I look over because something catches my eye, right out the corner of my eye. And I look over it, and there's probably about a 12 year old girl sitting in the passenger seat, of her mama's car, with a window down, with a cell phone pointed at me. Y'all, I'm probably TikTok famous on some 12 year old's. TikTok or Instagram or something somewhere up there in St. Louis. But like, so I was like at this moment of like, it it made me start laughing. And I was like, okay, I can either be embarrassed or I can lean into this. And I chose to live in the moment and lean into this. So, you know, went right on into whatever the next pickup of the verse was, you know, barely getting by. Yeah. And they loved it. They were having a great time. And it's just those little moments. Like I made a fool of myself, but you know what? I didn't because they were enjoying it. Make fun of the FedEx, dude. He's having a good time today. See, the world's not all terrible all the time. So, you may laugh at me. If you guys find that, yeah, go out there and look. See if you can find that. I haven't been able to find it yet, but I have a feeling I'm 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 viral somewhere. I have a feeling that I've gone viral somewhere because that's probably pretty mortifying for a normal human. Didn't really bother me that much, but most people would probably be mortified by it. So, I'm sure I'm viral somewhere. If you find it, send it to me. You guys know how to get a hold of me. waywardstories.com and everything else. You can go check out over there as well. Speaking of which, I actually started a TikTok with the help of one of my young buddies at work. Um and he um, got me set up and got me going on it and I am going to start using it right now. There's not really anything there, but I haven't been on any trips since I've started and I've been really busy doing this whole college thing. Y'all, I'm taking intro to psych right now. On top of like two other things, two other classes that are going on, and working and coming home. It's been busy. It's been busy. But I am. If you do, t- if you're on TikTok, if you see, that's how old I am. God, that that does suck. Cause I ain't trying to be that old guy. If you do TikTok, back in 1906 we didn't have the TikTokity. You know, whatever. But if you have a TikTok, go find me. I have one now, and I will be utilizing it. And I think that I will be able to utilize it for hilarity. So. That will be coming soon. Anyway, so that's the saddest part to me is is missing out on some of the connections that I've gotten to make because I've like made friends all over the United States, quite literally. And a lot of them have become close friends to me. Like, and I feel like I've grown exponentially as a human being in the last four and a half years. I truly have on many levels, but just what the opportunities That traveling afforded me that much and being able to live somewhere, kind of live a childhood dream of how awesome would it be to live in these different, completely different kind of socio cultures, you know, subcultures within the U.S. for six months at a time or whatever. That's essentially what I've gotten to do. And it was everything I'd ever hoped it could be. Like, getting to know people, getting to live their life, getting to to know everything that kind of goes on in their little worlds and their societies, and they're all completely different. But in that, there's also, like, the recognition of what we're all completely the same. That's, I think, the greatest lesson I've learned, and I think one of the themes that will prevail in tonight's episode is for all that we are different, we're all identical. Like, good grief, our diversity is our most common trait. Like, we are all so incredibly unique. And that is the one thing that makes us all alike. It's kind of a little paradox, if you will. But it's true. Like, we are just all different. But at the heart and the core of everything, what really matters... It's what drives us, which is basically usually just like safety, security, you know, prosperity to some degree. But I use prosperity not as like, hey, yo, let's get rich or die trying. But more like enough to pay the bills and, you know, not be running from creditors all the time. Like we all essentially just want to live and be happy and like chase some dreams. You know, we just want to make connections in the world and carry on. And that's what drives everyone in every culture, every society, everywhere. And you get out in the United States and you get around and you live places. You find out like, whoa, y'all are really different than me, but you're not different from me at all. And it helps you to break down those barriers of, I mean, certain, I guess, biases that you may have inherently just like say living most of your life in one particular area. I mean, you run into that all the time. Like God, God, You know, I mean, on really silly levels, but it's truly still something. You know, if it's just like, oh, all those people that like that football team are stupid or all those people that live on that side of the imaginary line between our two states, which actually absolutely (laughs) delineates nothing. We're all the same completely. We're all even related for God's sakes. But those people, well, they're inbred. You know what I mean? All that stuff's so dumb. It's so dumb, but it pervades. It pervades. And... The more that you go, the more that you're exposed to, the more that you see and learn and meet other people outside of, you know, peer groups or even just social demographics that you are the most used to, you just, that's what breaks down those walls is realizing, yo, that person that I had nothing, no idea about what kind of human they were, you know, they just human, just like me, they hurt, they're sad about missing their daughter. They're, they're just identical circumstances. And that's what I think makes the world a better place in the end honestly. And that's what I've gotten to do. And it came at a time where I desperately, desperately needed it in my life. Truly. You know, you live in these little societies that are very, very, I mean, we're interconnected now because of the internet, but we still choose. So many people still choose to not be connected. We choose. They have the internet, but they're only looking at the things that the internet wants to tell them that they want to hear. You know, that positive feedback loop, positive reinforcement, like they're choosing what they want to believe. We may have the interconnectedness, but we still like to be kind of closed off from the world. Lots of people are that way. And you don't even realize you are until you finally realize you are. And you know, I was within a very small peer group. We've talked about it before that had a very, very narrow worldview and get your socks rocked out of that. And the brainwashing starts shaking off and you're out there going, oh yeah, this is who I always was. I'm really glad to see that this is actually the way the world really is, which you always thought is really true. And now it's like, here's the proof of it. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So anyway, when I started with FedEx, it came at a time of actual incessant need, right? I had just gone through this big traumatic thing we've talked about so many times. And because of just the nature of what life had led to that point, I owned my own business that I had given up And traded off most of my work to friends of mine that worked in the same field that I worked in to help to take care of my mother and raise my daughter. You know, my mother was dying in my house. We talked about that a little bit. That's one of the hardest things you'll ever do is help someone you really, really love pass on to the other side. You know, she was in the final stages of a seven year battle with breast cancer. And because i owned my own business i had the flexibility to pass my work off to people that i trusted and liked and and respected in my field of work and you know ended up with a lot less work but that you know it's what i did when it wasn't my turn to take care of everything during the day or whatever so when the big cataclysm came down I wasn't going to support myself with what little work still remained at the end of all that. You know, I was still trying to rebuild from after mom had finally passed, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you're not just going to like do that overnight. So Big Purple came along when I needed it most and it kind of saved me. But it's kind of funny because it was kind of a narcissistic type of saving. It, It saved you in the way of it's like, hey, here. Is a codependent? Is a toxic relationship really? <laughs> we were talking about that. One of my coworkers and I were talking about. This is like a toxic relationship, really. We need them in like a codependent way because we need to pay our bills, but we don't really need them. We just need something from them, and they abuse the heck out of us because they know how badly we need them. So anyway, it came along and this <laughs> narcissistic, narc empath loop started. And me working with the big purple and. It really saved me, but it also tortured me in so many ways, but it gave me this opportunity to get out there and start traveling. And the first place I got to go, we've talked about it in the past, but like this opportunity to go to California and work, to go out there in South San Francisco and that that area just south of the Bay, that cannot be understated in its importance in my life. It was of immense importance immense importance in my life um, because it really gave me the opportunity to, Hey, I mean, it couldn't have been a better place either. Y'all I've seen a butt zillion freaking cities in the last four and a half years since I went to Cali, but there could not have been a better first one to actually go to. It truly provided me with this little, I don't know, this like closed eco loop that I lived in, you know, for a month at a time for three months go out there a month, come back for a month, go out there for a month, whatever. And it was like living in a vacuum and just getting to go and do after work was over. And even at work, even at work was amazing. Y'all, like you're driving around these neighborhoods, like they have they have trailer parks out there. Like they for real legit have trailer parks, but they're not trailer parks like you and I think of trailer parks. I assure you, they are like upscale nicer than our middle-class neighborhoods around here. I bet those lots cost more than the entire combined assets of most of us listening combined because it's San Francisco and everything cost $1 trillion. But, I mean, they had like not like citrus trees growing in the yard. Like you could grab a lemon, grab an orange. Like it's just right there. You know, they're all like manicured. They got like people out there. They're, they're trimming their bushes to look like freaking elephants and stuff. You know, they're like getting into like landscaping. And this is in a trailer park. This in trailer park, but every day at work was like being on vacation. You're just out there slinging boxes around, and every third house is is got treats out for the delivery guys and cold drinks, and like people were nice there, people were friendly there. And after work, you drive into the ocean, and you're standing at the ocean. Within like half an hour, I've watched so many sunsets, y'all. So when you go to Cali, because you should. And that's what tonight's episode's about. And that's how we're going to keep it and bring it back around and keep it on the subject of travel, of adventure in the great outdoors. Y'all, California, if it weren't for how much it cost, the population of that state would be even greater than it is now. And it is extremely, extremely overpopulated. But if it weren't for the cost of living, there would be a person standing on every square foot of landmass. California at least sections of it, are the most beautiful thing that you'll ever see in your life, y'all. You get up on, again, the Big Sur, basically starting at the southern tip of Big Sur all the way up to freaking Canada through, you know, Oregon and Washington. That coastline is just magnificent. It's gorgeous and it is magnificent. And there's so much to do there, y'all. I mean, you can go down, you can take your pictures, you know, but take Highway 1 if you guys ever find yourself there, you could spend easily a week on a vacation. Okay. Just driving from say Carmel or, you know, Monterey, whatever you could probably drive from just that general area and spend a week going a stop at a time all the way down to the big, uh, the lower tip of big, Sur. I mean, you can do that in a day, but I'm saying you could spend probably a week making that trip down camping at the campgrounds as you go staying at the little inns as you come across them eating dinner at the little restaurants the holes in the wall you can go in and you can fish in the big sur river y'all you can there's so much to do the hiking is phenomenal you're surrounded by redwood forest you're surrounded by beautiful clear running water and giant waterfalls and you're crossing over some of the most picturesque bridges, crossing these canyons, going down Highway One, that you'll ever see. The picture, the opportunities for photography, the opportunities for self-reflection. Pfeiffer um Pfeiffer Beach, down at the more southern southerly tip of Big Sur. There's a keyhole arch there, y'all. And it is famous. And it's not super easy to get to. You go through water that's door panel deep on my Xterra, which has got pretty solid ground clearance. Water that's door panel deep right before you get to the beach. Like you, it's not real easy to even get you know normal cars down there. And you get down there, and you're standing at the edge of this limestone bluff that creates purple sand. Mind you, I have an entire jar of it on my mantle and the piece that is missing from that jar the empty space fills a jar that my daughter has it is quite symbolic for me and from that time in my life and she very much treasures her purple sand in her little glass heart that she keeps on her on her dresser at home but as you stand there on that purple sand you look out through a keyhole arch that is being engulfed by the ocean and waves every so often and it's absolutely gorgeous but if you go as i did accidentally stumble bass backwards into being there at the perfect time of year there's a two or three day window where the sun actually sets into that keyhole we've talked about it before i found myself there by accident there was no one else there yet at the time i was ready to take that picture y'all i'm like i get there i eyeball it i look it over and see this is one of those a lesson in ask people locally if you're friendly y'all be friendly don't be jerks. Like, be friendly. Ask people. Sitting down, eating dinner, talking to the lady at the jade shop, you know, trying to find a cool piece of Big Sur jade. It's its own color, its own flavor of jade, you know, they only have out there in California. And you know, i talking to that lady and you ask them, where do you guys go? I know where all the tourists go. I know where all the places on Google Maps are. Where do you guys go to really experience this magical, spiritual place that you live in? And they tell you things like this, like, okay, go down to the keyhole arch. At Pfeiffer Beach, not Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park Beach. Don't get them confused. This is just Pfeiffer Beach on its own, which is a separate thing from the other. And that's how you find out to go down to check out these awesome kind of things when you're out there on your adventures. So, like, put that in your bag of tools. Don't be a tool and you'll find out about more awesome places to go. There you go. Wayward son nuggets of wisdom right there for you. But I'm down there. And I'm by myself at the moment. I'm looking this over and I'm like, yo, it looks like the sun's going to set right into that arch. Like you kind of tell, you know, like, and if you like me, you spend a lot of time in nature, you get used to the time of year. You get used to, you use the, the fingers at arm's length to see how long it's going to be for the sunset. You have a general idea of the degrees that it's dropping in the sky at what angle. And I just kind of eyeballed it. I was like, that looks like a sun might just set in that arch, you know, what the heck? So I just eyeballed it. Picked a spot and just planted my tripod, you know, just in case. Go off around, go exploring, walk up the beach, checking things out, come back around the corner, getting closer to sunset, and there's everybody in the world. You know, we talked about this recently. What's going on? Hey, it's one of those three days a year. Holy crap. Y'all, you got to get out there. You got to get out there and live your life if you want to experience these kinds of things. You take the opportunities when they come. Down there in Big Sur, though, y'all, this is, I highly suggest for anyone, anyone, even if you have to, like, rob a liquor store, don't, I, I can't really say that, can I? Save your money for a very, very long time and pick up all your pennies and make that one of your trips in your life. Like, I'm not kidding. Literally, make that one of your trips in your life. Spend a week. Just exploring the central coast. I mean, you can go up to Yosemite, y'all. Take a couple of weeks. You can go up to Yosemite and the, you know, when you're up closer to San Francisco, it's like three hours that way. Then on another day, you go down and you head through Big Sur. Just go spend some time on the central coast for real. Just stay at all kinds of different places, eat at all the different places. They have food. It's all like locally sourced stuff. It's $35 a plate. I paid $25 for a single enchilada one night, but it was worth every penny. It was the best enchilada I've ever eaten, y'all. It's like non-processed crap. Like it's good, good, real, whole food. They're big on that out there. You know, there is no in-between. Like there's no in between. It's either $30 a plate or it's McDonald's, which is like $10 a plate because it's expensive too. But like, just go and do it. Experience that area, that culture. You will not regret it. There's nothing on this planet like Yosemite and seeing El Cap and seeing Half Dome and seeing Upper and Lower uh, Falls in Bridalville. Like, there's nothing like that. And then down in Big Sur, seeing the waterfall at actual uh, Julia Pfeiffer Burn State Park, That waterfall falling off into the ocean or onto the beach right next to the ocean and go down to see the keyhole arch and go down to Lime Kiln State Park and see the double waterfalls, hike barefoot like I did, like an idiot up Lime Kiln Creek to the double waterfall, like get out there and do it. Go and live it, y'all. I cannot emphasize that enough. California was one of the fondest memories I have of my entire life. Not just my time at Big Purple, but one of my fondest memories of I've ever had in my life. And had it not been safe for my daughter, like if I didn't have her to come home to for whatever reason, I'd have probably stayed there. Or I might have moved up over the state line into like Oregon or Washington or something where it's a little bit cheaper um, and has pretty much the same kinds of environments. But I probably would have stayed. I probably would have just stayed. I loved it that much. I loved the culture like I told you guys in previous episodes That was one of the most inclusive and mutually respecting places I've ever been. People have far more respect for each other and they're far more, quote unquote, lenient. They're far more unbiased. They're far more unbigoted. In general, people, they just let people be and they don't click up nearly as profoundly as they do in other parts of the world. It just doesn't really happen there. Um, I mean, it does. Blanket statements again. I know you can never encompass everything. Yeah, there are still people there that are jackwads, but they're just not that prevalent. In general, people are just chilling together, man. Everyone's getting along and just kind of mutually respects each other. And they like kind of base their friendships more on if they just like each other as people not what they look like, what they believe in, or, you know, just what even their general preferences in life are. They don't split up based on who went to college where and which football team they support. That's not really a thing there so much. People get along. It's almost, it's almost, y'all, it's weird. It's almost like hanging around adults. It's crazy. Anyway, Cali was one of my fondest memories and one of the, you know, sadder things. I have to go back someday. You know, just because Big Purple's ending sure don't mean Callie's ending because I haven't been back since that five-month stretch back in 2019. Um, But we do need to go to a commercial break. We have 32 minutes now. We've been talking incessantly and we've still got lots more, y'all. We got lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about the upper Midwest. We're going to talk about the South a little bit and some cool things to do down in those places. Y'all are going to get a lot of trip ideas out of tonight for real, real. There's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So hang around for, you know, about a minute and a half or so. Listen to this ad from our sponsor and we will catch you right on the other side of the break. What is up, all of you wayward souls? I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, Bendetti Optics, a brand based right here in the good old U.S. of A., Portland, Oregon, to be exact. And I bought my first pair of Bendetti sunglasses about a year and a half ago, and fell in love with them so much so that I got online and ordered a couple of more pair. And when I did, there was a small shipping snafu, an order fulfillment snafu, and I got on the phone, gave them a call, and guess what? I get a call back from who? One of the big men themselves, right there in Portland from the top of the chain. Have a great conversation, and we end up starting this great relationship. We have the more than made right, the little snafu that occurred, And I am now a huge proponent of them because I can tell you from personal experience, they are good people. And they are trying to compete with the big boys out there coming in at a price point of about $40, but using the exact same frame material, TR90, and the same polarization process as the big guys. As it turns out, something I think we are already probably new in our hearts, when you buy big name sunglasses, you're buying a big name. Not necessarily any more quality than you can get somewhere else, like at Bendetti Optics. They have 29 different styles. They have multiple polarization options for whatever climate you happen to live in. And they back it up with like this lifetime guarantee that if your dog eats your sunglasses, it doesn't matter how you break them. Send it back in with a check to cover shipping and handling and you're golden. You got a new pair on the way. These guys are truly trying to do it right. And they have this philosophy that a really good pair of sunglasses should not cost you so much that you are afraid to wear them. And I think all of us outdoorsmen can relate to that. So if you guys, like me, are very practical and like to get more bang for your buck and wear some great-looking sunglasses, check out BendettiOptics.com. That's B-E-N-D-E-T-T-I, Optics.com. Or you can go over to Instagram slash Bendetti Optics, And that, I highly suggest, whether you buy a pair or not, just to check out the cutest pupper you'll ever see modeling sunglasses. Once again, that's VendettiOptics.com. And make sure and let them know Wayward Stories sent you. And welcome back. Thank you guys for supporting our sponsors. Thank you for coming back after the break. Um, and please do, please do support those sponsors. Means the world to us. And make sure, if you do, you let them know the old Wayward Son and Wayward Stories that they sent you over there that helps us continue relationships with those sponsors you know it tells them that hey actually get value from sponsoring this guy somebody out there listens to his like neurotic ramblings anyway let's get back into tonight's show one thing I should have talked about a little bit we'll go ahead and do it right here is the desert southwest okay I drove through it like what six times out there and back three times and I chose to every time I could have flown every time. We've talked about that before. I could have flown every time and I didn't want to. It was cheaper for my boss for me to drive. And I wanted to drive because every time I went, I was able to build in a couple hours. And, you know, you gain hours when you cross those time loans time zones. You actually gain a couple hours, whatever. I mean, it's still hours you're out there driving. It's 29 hour drive from Fort Smith, Arkansas to San Francisco, California or Morgan Hill, rather specifically. But every time you go, you're gaining hours and you're, you're taking all these things into account because me, I'm an opportunist. Y'all, I'm going to drive right by the, the Grand Canyon. Y'all, I'm going to drive right by the Painted Desert. I'm going to drive right by Petrified Forest. You need to do that. Okay, here's another one. You could just take, I mean, you could take probably months to do this. And I may very well do it. One of these days when I get old and crotchety, like I would love to just spend months in the desert Southwest guys, you know, there's so much you could do up in Utah and Bryce Canyon and all of those kinds of places. And me, I I love history. I love, um, paleo cultures like Chaco Canyon, Canyon de Shay. There are so many places with so many ancient, um, peoples, well, ancient artifacts, you know, there's a lot of archeology span out there. There are a lot of great places to check out. I love the desert personally. A lot of people don't care for it. I don't know why. Because driving through it to me was gorgeous. That was one of the things I heard the most from people around here. Like you're driving out there. I heard that drive out towards Bakersfield. Because you do basically drive 40 all the way to Bakersfield. And then you hook up the 5 or the 101 or whatever. Up to um, San Francisco after another six hours or so. But like. I What are they looking at? What are y'all looking at? That think it's an ugly drive. Like. There's Mesas, there's Arroyos, there's Buttes, there's colors everywhere, reds and purples and like just all of these shades of color on the freaking world around you. Like literally everything out there is new and foreign to these people like me that live and grew up in the mountains. The mountains are beautiful. I love Northwest Arkansas. I love Northeast Oklahoma. I love the waterfalls. I love all of those things. But you go out in the desert, it's an alien, you know, landform. It's, it's a different planet. And it's still beautiful in its own right. It's beautiful in a different way, but it's still beautiful. It's not like you're just driving through sand dunes. It almost makes you wonder if some of these people that say that, like, never really drove out there. Because I work with weird people that's like, if you've done it, they have to pretend they did it. And they like disagree with your opinion about it. I don't know. It's a weird alpha thing. Everyone that works at FedEx is totally alpha. It's, it's embarrassing, really. But I don't know. Maybe they're just lying because they weren't looking at the same landscape I was looking at. I was looking at absolutely stunning views everywhere in every direction and getting like, guys, y'all, I got I got side swiped by a freaking tumbleweed. The size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Somewhere out there, one of those mornings, I don't even remember. I just know all of a sudden, I i mean, it's honestly quite fortunate I didn't like cut the wheel and swerve because I just saw a huge mass approaching me at high speed from directly to my right. And I'm doing 85 or 90 because out there, you get into Arizona and New Mexico and those places... The speed limit on the interstates, except for in the cities, is I think it is 80 or it may be 85. It's up there. And then you're going to add five to that because that's how you drive on the interstate. Hint, hint, rules the road. Don't hang out in the left lane doing 53 in a 75 mile an hour zone on the interstate. You're going to kill everybody. But, you know, you're moving and just quick go thinking knee-jerk reaction. There's just a giant mass coming direct. Y'all, I'm not kidding. When I say it's the size, of, I mean, it was taller than my windshield. It was one of the biggest thing tumbleweeds. I, I mean, I don't, I've not seen that many, but you see them on TV and you know, like they're like the size of basketballs or something. This thing was like the size of the basketball court. Like it was huge and it did, it whacked, literally T-boned me as I was driving, but it didn't do any damage. It made a lot of noise and it did scratch up the paint a little bit, but it didn't do any real damage. But I mean, I'm thank God I didn't like knee jerk reaction, jerk the wheel to swerve from this impending like collision that I thought was a giant vehicle coming at me because at 85 miles an hour, I'd have been, they probably would have never found me wherever that car stopped rolling out in the middle of the desert. But it was, it's amazing y'all. That's something we don't have here. We don't have ginormous tumbleweeds. We don't have beautiful rock mesas and buttes and arroyos that are, look, literally, why do you think they call the Painted Desert the Painted Desert? Painted Desert is multiple colors and it is absolutely gorgeous. And that's what you should do. You guys, let me take it from me. If you go out I-40 and you took your time and you stayed all along the way, I mean, number one, you'd be living, like reliving a little bit of American nostalgia. I-40 essentially follows the original route of us 66 and everyone loves to go get their kicks on 66 right as a matter of fact there's a whole episode i talked about it towards the very beginning of this show y'all in the first three or four episodes it's called the desert southwest go back and listen to it if you don't have anything else to do it's a pretty good episode and i talk about there's like a 31 mile stretch of original route 66 somewhere around Kingman, Arizona. I'm almost positive it's Kingman. And you kick up and you go over this mountain pass. What was the name of that pass? Site Greaves Pass. And you go up over Site Greaves Pass and you wrap down the other side. You're up at the top and you're looking over Nevada and you're looking over California and you're looking at Arizona that you're in, right? It's beautiful. You're driving through ancient history, abandoned mines from the Latin Oatman, and Oatman. It's either Oats or Oatman. And it's like the last big gold rush that was west of the Sierras or whatever in the modern world, like in the US history. It's the most recent gold boom. And like the stuff's scattered all over the sides of the like hills and the mountains that you're driving through as you come into this little town. And there's like a little gas station. It's closed, but it's like preserved and well kept that's right up towards the top of your drive. And it's, it is historic, nostalgic Route 66 in its glory. It's a 31 mile stretch of it. And you just jump off at 40, on 40, from 40, sorry, at like Kingman, I think. And you go up over this mountain pass and you come down the other side and you land in basically Needles, California. And it was just like on Interstate 40 where you need to be back to. Y'all, There's so much to explore. Isn't that what Wayward Stories truly is all about in its essence? Let's go see. Let's go learn. Let's go grow. Let's go expand. Let's go out there and make ourselves better. Let's be more cultured. Let's see all of these things. Going out there and exploring the desert, y'all, you will be exposed to so many of the ancient indigenous cultures for one thing. Everywhere you go, you go up into the Petrified Forest, you can learn a whole lot about the ancient peoples that inhabited the area and the archaeological sites. You can walk through and around and see the petroglyphs that they left behind hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. All the while going over to look at the petrified forest and see giant trees that have become stone and are colored. They're like, they literally are like basically almost gemstone colored. They're purples and blues and all these different hues. The desert is, is magical y'all. It's an amazing place. And there's so much to do there in Santa Rosa, New Mexico, the blue hole, giant underground aquifer comes out into like this big blue hole. I mean, it's It's aptly named the Blue Hole. And you can swim in that, dude. At least you could. COVID may have changed some things. When I was there, you could hop in, but it was really cold. And I did with a couple of people. We're back to the things that I'm going to miss about Big Purple. As much as I am so happy to be giving it the big middle finger. was the people you meet on these little adventures I would get to go on? And I believe it was Kayla and Samantha is who I met. And they're a couple that travel the world. They do a van life thing. They've got a big YouTube channel with a lot of people that follow them. And it was me and just them. And I met them that day. I started following them on YouTube. They never followed me back, by the way, ladies. But they are really cool. I took some pictures for them because like one, and I don't remember which was which, but one of the other was trying to goad the other into jumping into the icy waters of the blue hole and she wasn't having it. And so then I showed up and she used me. She was like, you can't not look at this guy. He's over here. You got to now. And I was like, Hey, I'll tell you what, if you will, I'll take a picture of you with my camera while you're midair. And if you got like a business card or I can give you my email address, I'll send you the picture of you j- jumping in mid-flight or whatever. And that's exactly what we did. And they're really cool people. And those are those little things, the kind of people you meet out there, living the same kinds of outlook on life that you kind of have. And those connections are so important. They're so special. To me, they're special. Maybe they're not special to you, and that's fine. I don't judge you for that. We're all different. It takes all kinds, but it matters to me. And I love it. And if you are similar to me and have any kinds of thoughts along the same lines, y'all get out there and go and live. Go and do it. The blue hole. The, again, petrified forest. Y'all check out Meteor Crater. Check out Meteor Crater. You know, it's kind of a big event in uh, human cultural history. Like, it's like civilization killer type of situation. Like, go out there and check it out. Because it's almost perf- perfectly preserved because it's in such an arid desert climate. It is absolutely fascinating y'all it is really cool and it's literally like 15 minutes off the interstate petrified forest the petrified forest in the painted desert they have a 31 mile loop drive through that whole area matter of fact the picture that i've been putting on the last several episodes of the show whenever these episodes drop on youtube the youtube thumbnail and what i've been sharing on instagram if i don't actually have a pertinent picture that thematically represents the episode to turn into the thumbnail or the picture I share on Instagram, it, I use this view down the road. It's kind of a low angle looking down a highway with low dark clouds rolling out. I took that picture in the middle of old, I don't. maybe it wasn't 66, but I took that picture in the middle of that old highway just south of the petrified forest the day that I went and drove through there and came out and I just saw that and it looked beautiful and I took a bunch of pictures and one of them was a money shot. And it's that very picture. I use it to this day as one of the headers on the websites, one of my favorite pictures I have ever taken. And I took it that day that I got to go and explore the petrified forest and the painted desert. They are one in the same. Essentially, they're in the same place on the same driving loop. Y'all, it's literally like a loves on the side of the interstate. You exit and there's the park entrance. It's like, for real, it's not even 30 seconds away from Interstate 40 where you start into that area. Um, There's so much out there, guys. Like me, Lake how you can shoot up to Vegas. No big deal. I went and drove down the strip of Vegas. I was in a hurry, and that was probably a mistake that day. You don't just whip through vegas okay i found that out that day you don't just like whip through vegas for a drive by looking you just don't get to go through and see the sights and say well at least i've seen it you know i don't have time to stay here on this particular adventure but i always wanted to see it oh i've seen it it doesn't happen that fast okay but lake mead definitely very cool um and the hoover dam very cool everyone should do that y'all the desert southwest for real real get out there and explore it there's too much all along the way, Tucumcari, New Mexico is an awesome little town with a lot of cool stuff in it. Y'all, there's some really cool kitsch like kind of still Route 66 niche hotels that are from the Route 66 heyday era that they have, you know, someone's either reinvested in or they've kept up all these years. They're still out there to stay in. I've been seeing some, I've got people that I follow on Instagram that have been taking trips through the desert this last summer and man, it's, it's number one is me all super jelly and very sad and nostalgic for going back out there. I got to see some really cool, I screenshot them and set them aside in a folder for whenever I go back, like, Oh, this person was saying that hotel is awesome. Just little old school motel side of the road, route 66, but well-kept reinvested. Held up almost as kind of a cultural landmark, almost as an icon of an era, and they take care of it like that. And I love those kinds of places. Those kinds of places are awesome to stay in. The Southwest, something everyone should do in their life, in my opinion, at least once. Right alongside Big Sur, Central California, going up to Yosemite, north of San Fran, y'all. Highway one goes the whole length of the damn state. I think it goes the whole length of the freaking coast. All the way up into Washington and Oregon, it becomes a different name when it hits those other states, like a different number designation. That All of that up there, all of that up there, north of the Golden Gate, y'all. Drive across Golden Gate Bridge, for God's sakes, and crank up, get on YouTube and crank up the Full House theme song. I'm sure I'm not the first nerd that's ever done that, or the last, but I certainly had a real special moment in my life, driving across the Golden Gate Bridge, windows down, Full House theme song blaring and not Fuller House theme song, Full House. Anyway, moving on to like another section of the country, like where did I go next? I mean, Cali was like the first big thing to happen. Ah, Kokomo, Kokomo, Indiana. It's not the Kokomo that you think of when you think of a Kokomo. Kokomo I think of gets to like negative 16 degrees in the winter when I was there and it be quite miserable but in truth indiana in general i spent a lot of time in indianapolis and i spent a lot of time in kokomo y'all the upper midwest though it is known for its industrialists and it is that and it's known for its vast expanses and never-ending fields of corn it is also that but it is not just that Okay, and me, this is real. I really honed my chops. You guys have heard me talk about over and over and over again. I think the episode, you don't have to be rich to see the world. You, I've got multiple episodes where I talk about tips and tricks and hacks and things that I've learned. There's always something right outside your door, guys. There's always something within even an hour to two hour radius, a driving window that can get you out of the house and go see something you never knew existed or something that's absolutely gorgeous. And Indiana is where I really, really, really honed those chops. I assure you, weeks and weeks and weeks of staring at nothing but rows of corn, okay, it drove me stir crazy. So I started really, truly looking. And this is when I was really starting to get into my YouTube channel. And the YouTube was the stepping stone. For the podcast, the podcast was the ultimate goal from the beginning. I wanted this podcast, but the YouTube channel was much less technically complicated to pull off. You got a camera. you I mean, you got a phone point, shoot, talk, you know, you got a YouTube channel. If you got an iPhone, you've got iMovie easy, easy, great editing platform. For what I do, it's an excellent editing platform. And I'm sure Android has a really good editing platform, too. I don't know. I don't have an Android. But it was the easiest thing to do. And it broke me back into being in front of a camera because it had been 15, 12 years, 10 to 12 years since I'd been in front of a camera for anything. And what I'd done before was far more script driven. You know, I mean, it was more of a reality TV type of situation, but it was still very script driven. It was history. It was history. Like you're reading scripts. You have to memorize stuff like who did what to who, when and where, da, 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 da. This was different. This was just me. This was interactional. This was conversational. This was experiential, what I was wanting to do, and I needed that, and that was when I really started pushing into the YouTube thing and was starting to build all the groundwork that was going to become the podcast, you know, starting to build the website. I mean, I started out as the men who don't fit in, and it was still a great concept, but just in its overall general appearance, it seemed very exclusive. Women were not listening to it, even though it was meant for everyone, um, because, you know, you have to really get into it and through a lot of the stuff to understand that men is one of those general colloquialisms as us as humans, you know, and it was simply just so you understand if any of you are new to this, you know, with me, it came from a poem, an awesome poem by, um, Robert Service. And it's called the men who don't fit in. And you should look it up and look into it. It's a great poem, y'all. There, there's some depth to it. He traveled around in the Klondike, and he wrote poetry that really reflected the realities of the kinds of people that chased those kinds of adventures back during the the Yukon Gold Rush and during all these different time frames back there in that that um, in the nineteenth century, the late nineteenth century. And the men who don't fit in was simply just the idea of there are some of us that we don't do nine to five well. We don't fit in with everyone else's norms and expectations and. This is where you find us, out there, exploring, maybe trying to find out who the heck we are for ourselves. You can't classify us, and maybe we're trying to classify us. It's kind of like that general idea. So the idea was based off of that poem, but it didn't really, What you know, people were like, I mean, I had multiple women tell me like, oh yeah, I saw you had your podcast, but I never listened. It looked like it was some guy thing you had going on. It's just based on the name. So it was a bad name and I changed it. And I think Wayward Stories, where we landed, ultimately is where it needed to be. But that was the process. You know, it takes time, y'all. And that's also a lesson. And just go for it. If you really, really want to do something, go for it. You know, you may not get the light bulb to light up the very first time. I think Edison went through. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those old cliches. But a whole bunch of times it didn't work. It took him a long time to get it to work. If you believe in something, if you want something, just start. Just start and you will work through all the details. I am living proof, standing here before you, sitting here before you tonight it'll happen. go get it, and it will happen. It may take time, but you know what the only way to do it is to start you know the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step and a bathroom stop, so just get after it but this is where I really honed those skills of. I'm going to find things to do. And if you've got a broad enough interest base, if you are interested in history, if you are interested in hiking, if you're interesting and interested in, say, photography and long exposures and waterfalls, which I think most of us here are, but if you've got a broad enough interest base, if there's enough things that you want to learn about, there is always something close to you. And Indiana is an excellent example of that. To sit around in Kokomo, Indiana, you're like, I'm surrounded by transmission plants for you know, car transmissions. And literally on the other side of that neighborhood is nothing but cornfields as far as the eye can see. But if you start to look, you are within an hour drive of multiple, multiple, I mean, upper Mississippian area and Adena culture and Hopewell culture mound builders. Y'all, okay, if you're into history at all or ancient indigenous native americans and the mounds that they built all over the united states if you are well especially especially the mississippi river valley and the ohio valley if you're into that at all and you're in indiana you're surrounded by a lot of them like you're like within three hours of the great serpent mound which is a freaking unesco world heritage site in ohio y'all it's one of the most famous earthworks done by nature ancient native americans like that we have like you'll see a picture of it you'll know what i'm talking about google it that's within three hours of you. The, um, God, Moundsville. There are some mounds that come from a time so, so ancient. They're not even particularly sure. They, they think it was the Adena or the Hopewell. But I mean, it's like right there on the cusp of when those those cultures were becoming a different culture. And they got like a little wood hinge thing. They built this circular mound that lined up with the equinoxes, you know, 2,000 years ago. You're like an hour from that. And by the way, if you go over there to Mounds. Uh, I think it's Moundsville. But if you go over there, or it's Anderson and it's Mound State Park. That's right. Anderson, Indiana, Mound State Park. If you go over there, treat yourself to the best hamburger you might have on the North American continent at the Lemon Drop Diner. It is old school. It is tiny. Apparently, Andrew Luck loved it when he put the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts because he made that hour drive over there multiple times because there's pictures of him all over the damn wall. Like eating a burger, it's that's an awesome hamburger, y'all. Right there in Anderson. And like there are some great people. I was talking to the owner's daughter like for two hours that night. Like I was eating my dinner and she was telling me all about Anderson and she was like going to college over in Indianapolis and she helped out her parents on the weekends, and that's why she was there running everything. And those kinds of things are out there if you go and you find them and you talk to people, guys. You just start talking and find out. Like I was asking people locally, where do you where should I go eat? And they were like, Lemon drop. Lemon Drop, without fail, go to Lemon Drop. Y'all, go check out the Lemon Drop. If you are into hiking and beautiful landscapes and waterfalls, Indiana actually has some. It's not all cornfields. Y'all Like that, Because, you know, they had this whole thing. You remember the last glacial period when the giant glaciers covered half of North America? They gave us, you know, they left a few little, you know, presents behind. Like Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, Lake Huron. You know, that was kind of a thing. It was kind of a big event in North American history. And it really, really terraformed the land in so many ways. You're just a couple of hours. If you're in Indy or even Kokomo. Kokomo's down you know, 40 minutes north of Indianapolis. But if you're in Indy or Kokomo, you're within a couple of hours of Turkey Run State Park. And, um, oh, what's the name of the other one? Something about Devil. One of them devil things. You know, everyone's got the devil's backbone, the devil's kitchen, the devil's bathtub. You don't want to be in the devil's bathtub, I assure you. Um, don't ask me how I know. But that's right there. Turkey Run State Park, and it's beautiful. And they have these valleys. And one of them, you heard about it in the um, Hike Back in Time episode, you know, several ago. That's actually been quite a while ago now. But in the, the Hike hike Back in Time, it talks about Rocky Hollow, which literally... The environment within is basically completely pristine and preserved and, and is exactly what the environment was in that area about 12,000 years ago. It is so cool. It is one of the most beautiful hikes, truly, sincerely saying this. It's one of the most beautiful hikes I've been on and it's situated right out there in the cornfields of Indiana, but don't let that fool you because you transition out of the cornfields into sudden hill country and you're into mountains and trees and there's these beautiful creeks i mean maybe it's turkey run creek i don't remember the name of the creek i could be completely wrong don't correct me if i am because i'm going to get enough emails that it is just save your email um It's a beautiful little river creek thing that you walk across and you hike and you can go up into there There is also a devil's ice box there. I can say that. And it is super cool down in there. And then you have Rocky Hollow itself, which is the thing that's like basically preserving the environment from 12,000 years ago. It's absolutely gorgeous. The Rocky Hollow hike is one of the most beautiful hikes I think I've ever taken y'all. And some of the best pictures that I've ever not ever taken, but some of my favorite that I've gotten because... When you're in there, y'all, it feels ancient. I don't know how to explain that, but it feels ancient. It's one of those places that actually, you know what? We could probably call that one of the sacred places that I talked about back around Christmas time. We could absolutely call that one of the sacred places. And it just now dawned on me that that's the case. Because it is, when you walk in, it feels different. It almost feels like it has its own memory. It almost feels sentient. It feels like... It has its own memories. I mean, and I'm not going all off the deep end, deep, deep end. Woo woo. I'm just saying, I'm trying to describe for you in a way that you can maybe think about to just describe what it feels like. It's totally different. It's just one of those places where you're like, something's different here. And maybe it is all of the, the rainforest-esque type of ferns that are growing here in the middle of this deep, deep ravine and the steam that's rising from the creek and you're in indiana it feels like a rainforest almost and that is the ecosystem essentially that is preserved in the steep steep walls of this little canyon there are other things clifty fall state park you literally you want to go out there and try to die on a hike you want to do one of the hardest hikes you ever done in your life Take that big old round trip through Clifty Falls, but there's an awesome waterfall. There is a collapsed railroad tunnel that, for whatever reason, the state has decided, yeah, we're not going to put up any kind of railings and stop people like everyone else in the world. Y'all can crawl through this collapsed railroad tunnel, and I did that. You can go see that video if you really want to. You can go check it out, and you should, y'all. It's, it's an adventure in its own right. It's beautiful there. Giant bluffs. Giant waterfalls this just collapsed railroad tunnel from this time. And it's right up above Cincinnati more or less. You know, it's like this railroad was like basically descending down to the Ohio river. It's right on the edge of the Ohio river. That's like two and a half hours from Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, if you're up there in Kokomo, you're only like two and a half hours from Indiana Dunes. It's a national park. At the time I was there, it was America's newest national park. Since then, something has uh, come in as another new national park. I saw that recently. But you can go up there. Indiana Dunes is pretty cool, y'all. It's like an ecosystem from the gla- last glacial period. Like, they got these if you go up there in the summer, y'all, it's like going to the beach. You can hang out. There's waves. There's people in, you know, bathing suits. There's like suntan lotion. Like you can sit there and it's kind of like being at the ocean, but you're on Lake Michigan and you can see Chicago. Literally. Twenty well, however many miles across the lake from you, and you can just see the skyline of Chicago. It's really cool. Indiana Dunes is a pretty darn cool place. You can go up to St. Joe, just inside of Michigan, and hang out at the lighthouse there. Indiana, y'all, Indiana is don't sleep on Indiana. There's some really cool stuff to do. A oh, Spring Mill State Park, y'all. There in the summer months, they actually have programs, okay, that run the entirety of. The summer, and they show what life was like in the mid-19th century, which is, I remind you, the 1800s, like in the 1840s and 50s, or maybe it's even closer back in the 18-teens. It's been a little while since I've been there, and they've got people in there showing you how the sawmill, like or sawmill, yeah, it is. Whatever it is, it's a giant water wheel. Sawmill, gristmill, doesn't matter. It's a giant water wheel on a creek that has a lot of water flowing and just cranking that mill. Will And there's waterfalls everywhere, little ones, big ones that you can take pictures of. Very, very cool place. Um, we talked about Clifty Falls. What was that other one? Cataract Falls. You can go to Cataract Falls and it's one of the largest. Williamsport, Indiana's tallest waterfall, clocks in at like 76 feet. I went there when it was literally like five, like three below zero or 15 below zero. And there was ice everywhere. Crystals everywhere, and this water just roaring over this precipice and this little V-notch at the top of this limestone bluff. Y'all, there's a lot to do in Indiana. If you ever find yourself in Indiana for any reason at all, don't think, oh my God, what am I going to do? There's nothing but corn. There is. There's a lot to do. I mean, even just downtown Indianapolis, y'all, is actually really beautiful. When I was there, it was literally less than a week after the riots from the summer before last when things got real rough all across the United States and the entire first floor of essentially all of downtown Indianapolis was either burnt out, burgled or boarded up. So that was not good, but it was still beautiful. The square and their giant, uh, yeah, civil war monument with a union soldier. Like there's so much y'all down there That's it's, it's a massive monument. Like it'll blow your mind. It's, it's, towering monument. It's very cool. Indianapolis itself is a very cool place. Indiana, don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on the upper Midwest, y'all. There's a lot going on up there. Um, Let's go ahead and let's, um, you know what, let's not. I was going to say, let's take another break because we've hit another 30 minutes. But I told you guys, tonight we may ramble for quite some time. And I'm going to finish this episode because I am emoting my way. I am Doing some kind of, well, it's not a catharsis, is it? But, you know, we're saying goodbye to Big Purple and moving on to another chapter in our life. So I'm using this opportunity now to tell you about all of my travels. And we're just going to keep doing that. Um, but, yeah, so let's just keep rolling. I'm not going to add another commercial in here and forget about that. Like, we're at another 30 minutes. We could do it. But um doesn't seem necessary to me. So let's keep moving. The upper Midwest is what we're talking about. Like, Ohio is pretty cool, y'all. Cincinnati is beautiful. Okay, I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati was absolutely beautiful. You should check out Cincinnati. Okay, um, they have a lot of really great food, and this is guys. We had guys in Cincy all the time, and I heard about all of these places, and I wish I could have tried most of them. I only got to be in Cincy for a hot minute, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. The river, the free, the Ohio River, and you got the bridges. Like I, Cincy is a clean city what I saw of it, and I saw quite a bit of it in the day that I was there delivering or the two days or whatever, it was kind of, it impressed me a lot, how well-kept, how beautiful Cincinnati was. Columbus, mm, very dirty, very industrial, very much. There's some nice parts of Columbus, I'm sure, but Columbus is Way more of an industrial city than I ever would have thought because you think of Columbus, Ohio, you think of the University of o- or Ohio State University, is what you think of, and Lane Stadium, and all those things. But Columbus was pretty cool, y'all. There's a lot to do in Ohio, just kind of like Indiana. If you look around, like I said, the Great Serpent Mound is not that far from you. If you're anywhere in Ohio, you're not far from the Great Serpent Mound. And that's one of those, again, UNESCO World Heritage Site even if you're not a history nerd like myself or you're not into ancient cultures you know if it's not really your thing you should still really go see something like the great serpent mound because in its own right it's like seeing it's like seeing the great pyramids it's like seeing the pyramids in south america it represents a very significant massive undertaking On the part of peoples who lacked the technology that we have to create such massive earthworks. And it really shows how progressive and how intelligent they truly were mathematically and astronomically and astrology. Like how advanced they were on some very important scientific arts. To line these up and create them in the manners that they did. It's one of those things you really should just go and see. Because it truly is kind of like going to see the Great Pyramids in its own right. Yeah, it's not massive and impressive on that level. But it's still absolutely, because of the size or whatever. But it's still absolutely impressive in its own right. Even to look at. I mean, it's a big, huge snake built out of dirt. Tall dirt that stretches for a long, long way very, very impressive. Um, The upper Midwest includes St. Louis, which y'all, I've talked about St. Louis a whole heck of a lot here in the last several months, right? But yeah, St. Louis is an interesting place. Y'all, I do, it's kind of funny. I almost feel like St. Louis has become a, another hometown. Like really, when I was kind of realizing I may not be going back, You know, when I was starting to look into, I'd gotten a job offer and I was like, man, I need to look into this and I bet this could work out. And I was starting to realize that I started looking around and seeing these streets and realizing I know the whole damn city, like the back of my hand. I know the neighborhoods. I don't need Google maps. I haven't in a long, long time. I know where good places to eat are. I know where to get the back roads to avoid the interstates. Like it really, truly for two years there on and off month at a time over and over and over again. It became another hometown for me. It really did. It's like a second home. Now I got kind of sad, you know? Like, I'm going to miss this place as much as it's a scary-ass place to be. I'm going to miss it. I mean, I'm not going to miss people trying to kill me on the interstate because they truly do try to take your life. But I'm going to miss, like, the little neighborhoods, y'all. There's, see, there's things. Like, you will hear it said that St. Louis is the dirtiest city someone's ever been in. I've heard that before. I'll back it up. If you're in the right part of St. Louis or the wrong part, it absolutely is. You'll be shocked. There's just piles of car bumpers. Like, where did they come from? I don't know. There's one road I was delivering in this huge industrial part. is called the Near North Riverfront. That was my last hitch. My last week there was doing one of the worst routes I've ever had to work. And I mean, other than Columbus was it's the near north riverfront and it is straight up industrial and it's crazy down there like there's all these like say recycling places there's also huge major companies nationwide companies procter and gamble's got a giant plant down there i had to deliver that stupid place so much stuff like that but like there's all these places that do recycling and still and all of that kind of stuff you'd be driving down a road and there's like a literally literally y'all like a car engine block lane in the middle of four lanes of traffic i'm not joking it just like fell off one of these trucks because these people don't tie stuff down there's mattresses laying on the side of the road not that anyone's sleeping on or ever has it just fell off of a truck that was on its way to the dump or whatever like and they just leave it there's piles of bumpers again that's they have the accidents and i don't know why i don't throw the bumper into the car when it's getting towed away but they don't they just leave them there don't know maybe it's some kind of like a little roadside memorial to the death of the crown vic whatever but it's crazy filthy like they don't even pick up trash but then there are parts of st louis that are absolutely gorgeous and clean as can be like kirkwood and university city and maplewood's a really nice little community within st louis y'all I loved driving into work from the and I stayed at in the last several hitches when I was working out of the terminal, um, out of terminal 630. Uh, I drove, I, didn't, I avoided the interstate three minutes longer. I chose this every day. Three added minutes saved me from having to get onto I-70 and risk my life every single day. I just whipped it up. River uh River de pair, I went across like lofts Miller, I think, and on uh Shrewsbury, and then went up Big Bend all the way to Midland essentially, and then took Midland all the way on up, but y'all, when you get up towards the north end of Big Bend and the beginning of Midland. You're going through University City area. You're going by Washington University and Fontbonne. You're going through these beautiful old growth oak tree neighborhoods and these beautiful old architecturally just vastly different houses from Victorian era and this era and that era. And it's gorgeous. Those neighborhoods are beautiful. It reminds you of what you would think of. like I don't know, what was a TV show that maybe we could all know and out have seen and kind of gives you that sense of the American, you know, 1950s, the Americana view of a neighborhood with the giant oak trees. But you know what I'm talking about? Oak lined streets, beautiful old houses that people actually mow the lawn. Like there's beautiful places, really, really awesome and culturally distinct and interesting places all over St. Louis. You know, Kirkwood, University City, Maplewood all come to mind. I'm trying to think. There was a few others. But y'all get up there and, you know, original Route 66 coming down from Chicago, whipped right through St. Louis, right up there north, like on the river across chain of rocks. There's the original bridge that carried Route 66 into St. Louis from the Illinois side of the river, y'all. Illinois over there in Alton. And going up to Bethalto and places around there, y'all, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of really cool stuff to see up there. The Midwest, don't sleep on the Midwest, y'all. If you're ever up there, just follow the template that I have laid out in previous episodes about how to find cool stuff to do that's not what everyone else is doing. You think of St. Louis, you think of, oh, yeah, I'd go to the arch or a ball game. There's so much more. Go to the book house. Y'all go to the book house. If you like books, if you like the smell of old books, if you like old libraries, there is a bookstore in Maplewood. I believe it's Maplewood. It's Maplewood called the book house. And they got these huge ladders like that roll up and down the walls, like the old school, what you see. I mean, probably, I think it's like in Harry Potter and you can see it in any show ever that wants to make a library look old and crazy cool. You know, they got the shelves that are twenty feet high and the ladder that rolls the length of the wall. They have that. They have two, you know, store cats that just hang around and chill. They're amazing. They like all the lovens. Go see the cats. But the bookhouse, you can go there. There's so many things. Y'all, I spent one afternoon. Well, the probably one of the best twelve dollar expenditures I've ever done in my life was riding the freaking metro in St. Louis from one end to the other end. Just spend an afternoon. Just seeing the city. From a train riding the metro from one end to the other. I took it wherever it'd take you. Like it went across, I'm not even going to quote it. I'm about to go blank because there's the MacArthur Bridge. There's the Martin Luther King Bridge. There's the Museo Bridge. I know it's neither one. I don't think it's either one of those three, but you ride across one of the oldest dang bridges up there. Um, from, I mean, it was that bridge alone was an architectural wonder in its time, and it turned St. Louis partially into the mega city that it became in its day because, in its day, it was like the capital of all that industry and stuff. Like, it opened up because it was like that's why they call it the gateway to the west, y'all. That's what the arch represents like there's history behind most of the stuff that you take for granted and don't realize what it means usually it actually means something quite significant and if you look into it tell you a little bit about the history and that history will tell you a little bit about where you can go on an adventure and things you can check out and the significance of Of them. So don't sleep on the Midwest. Don't sleep on St. Louis. Don't sleep on Indianapolis. Don't sleep on Columbus and Cincinnati. Y'all, there's a lot of cool stuff up there. Many, many things that you wouldn't expect. Like I said, Turkey Run State Park to me and Clifty Falls State Park in Indiana are two that come readily, readily to mind as, man, I thought Indiana wasn't nothing but cornfields because I've been here all this time and all I've seen is cornfields. But no, like they're some of the most beautiful hikes you've ever seen. Some amazing waterfalls. You got to go look for them. So don't sleep on the Midwest. Let's move down and probably move on more towards the end of the episode. And let's go further south. Because I spent a little bit of time in the south, y'all. Mississippi and Tennessee. I spent quite a bit of time in Mississippi and Tennessee. Tennessee was cool. Jackson is where I was at. Now Memphis, I was in Memphis for a minute. We worked west Memphis out of Olive Branch. Like, no, I don't. Like, don't. Don't ever do that if you work for FedEx and they're like yo you want to run some contingency out of all a branch your answer is no absolutely because you will die like I've I died twice working in West Memphis it's a miracle that I'm sitting here talking to you y'all it for real is all the things you've heard see and you can't tell me like don't be like oh it's like if you're from Memphis don't like get all mad don't get all butt hurt be like ah oh, you just saying that ain't true to-. yeah it is true like I you don't work down there. You like you driving by on the interstate. I worked down there. I was delivering. Like I was face to face with people every dang day. It's not safe. Period. But Memphis okay. Didn't care that much for Memphis. Jackson, Tennessee, interesting place. Um it's really nice in Jackson. But it's also really fancy. There are lots and lots of very rich people that live in Jackson. Because it is like a couple of hours from Nashville. So a lot of the people, like recording artists and stuff, live in Jackson. But there's a lot of interesting stuff for you guys that like to hike, that like to fish, that like photography, that like to camp. Y'all, there are all kinds of parks. There are all kinds of hiking trails and rail trails. If you're into Civil War history, Parker's Crossroads Battlefield, there's several Civil War battlefields really close to Jackson, Tennessee, within a hop, skip, and a jump anywhere you're in Tennessee. That's pretty much true of the South, but Tennessee is a very cool place. People there, pretty darn decent people. Jackson, Mississippi was interesting. When I was in Jackson, it's not. it would not be fair for me to characterize Jackson, Mississippi in the way that I want to characterize it. I did not have a good experience there overall, okay? But I was there During the very height of those riots, I mentioned that earlier when we were in Indy just a week after Indianapolis's riot. The reason we landed in Indy is because they pulled us out of Jackson because things were literally getting unsafe for us they were like, yeah, we can't be here. Like FedEx trucks are getting jacked and stuff. Like we're not, we're, we're running contingency. We have choices. We don't have to stay anywhere. We don't want to stay. And the boss said, yeah, we're getting the hell out of there because I, quite honestly, I don't think he cared for our safety. He just cared about having to pay our families when we died, you know, like that's what he really cared about. But they got us the heck out of there because it was not safe. Um, And that's a true story. That's not exaggerating. Literally a corporate decision was made to move us away from there because there was no reason for us to be there and things were happening that were not safe for anyone to be around. But the three weeks I was in Jackson before all of that got really frenzied and crazy. I mean, y'all, y'all, I, you know, those medians in like four lane highways that they're not, you know, you're in Arkansas, Oklahoma, you know, four lane highways usually interstate with a big grass median or whatever. You get into bigger cities Those four lane roads literally might just be like normal 35, 40 mile an hour roads coming into a city because the interstates are their own system that are kind of external to all of this. I was on one of those kind of roads and they've got that big concrete median. That's like what? Six inches high. It's not just like a little curb you can jump. But I realized one night as I was coming back in off a 13 and a half hour freaking work day, I was pulling up on a lot of traffic stopped. I was seeing a whole lot of red lights. And then I was starting to see a whole lot of people roaming through traffic and some of them were hitting things with things that appeared to be baseball bats. And I looked and I mean, I literally had a split second. You have to understand the reason this was a big deal. I was in a big purple truck. It's got the big purple logo on the side that says I have lots of things of value inside of me to the innocent bystander. Right. We were targets. We were trained how to evade, and we were trained to run people over if we had to. Don't open the doors at any cost because it's probably your life. Literally, that's what we were trained. And if you have to run people over, you run people over. You do not stop, you do not get stopped, and you don't unlock those doors or open it at any cost. I had a split second because I was literally pulling into the traffic that was starting to bunch up. Like, as all this was starting to occur ahead of me, right? And I look over and I see that there's a gap. On the other side going back the other way because the traffic on the other side has been blocked by this group of protesters out there in the street and so i looked and there was a split second before the car in the fast lane i was in the second lane came up on me and i literally just cut the wheel i ramped i'm sure that i ripped the front end out of that i ramped that curb at probably 35 miles an hour somehow didn't didn't pop the tires didn't destroy the ars i probably did actually, to be honest, but it rode me for the next couple of days before they pulled us out of there. And, you know, it still worked, but I did, I hopped. I barely, barely, because I saw it coming quick goat thinking, got the heck out of there. And it was a tight window. I almost, that window almost closed. And I was almost sitting in that traffic and. a dang wagon that was advertising I'm full of valuable things it was scary moments it was scary moments so I don't want to characterize Jackson and how it was but the other two or three weeks before it got to that point it was really really cool guys to be completely honest like there's a bus station there that has got a lot of retro design and it's got a whole lot of like the neon it's like a, a greyhound it's like a greyhound bus station and It's really cool. It's really famous locally. Their old state building is really cool if you're into history. What I suggest for those of you out there like me, who like the outdoors, who like the backcountry and stuff like that. This isn't so much backcountry, but this is the kind of drive that you would enjoy taking. The Natchez Trace National Parkway. Like, y'all should check that out. It's an NPS-administered National Parkway. And I found out, to my embarrassment, that you're not supposed to drive commercial vehicles on it. They're prohibited. I actually finished my route one day, an hour and 45 minutes north of Jackson, and had to go all the way back to Jackson, and I looked over and I was like, well, look at that road. That road makes a straight shot all the way to Jackson. It was the Natchez Trace, and I was like, that's perfect. I like that kind of drive anyway. It's a scenic drive. It's a designated scenic drive by the national parks or whatever. I drove it all the way back in, and I couldn't figure out why the heck everyone in Mississippi was flipping me off. As I drove by, I could not figure that out for the life of me. And then, like the next morning, are giving me dirty looks and waving her hands, shaking her fist, and you know, I saw actually quite a bit of that. I was like, "What the hell, man? People up here—that the guys that were doing this, that felled these routes before we came in to save them—they must have been doing a really bad job." Everybody hates Big Purple here. And I get back the next morning to terminal load my truck. I'm telling someone about that. Natchez Trace Parkway—that's awesome. And they're like, "You drove your delivery truck down it?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." And they're like. It's prohibited for commercial traffic. You're lucky you didn't get like a $1,000 ticket. I was like, oh, that explains all the middle fingers, doesn't it? That explains all the irate people. Oh, doesn't it? So anyway, I did go back and drive it again in my personal vehicle, a longer stretch of it, because the day I went and checked out the Nanawaii Mound, and this is something else, Native American Mound, Chotaw, People. Their origin story comes from the Nana mound, And it was something to me because I have Choctaw heritage, a wee bit, but some. And it's something we've always been taught and has always been important to me. So it was like when I was there and I realized that was like an hour and 40 minute drive from literally a part of me, true part of my lineage, a part of my history, a part of where the people way back, some of them that make up who I am genetically right now came from like, yeah, I'm going there. And it was awesome. And it's a pilgrimage everyone should make. Even if you're not Choctaw, you should just go see it because it's a really special place down there. And you can drive a huge chunk of the Natchez Trace National Parkway. And y'all, I think that's a road trip anyone should take. It crosses the whole stinking state of Mississippi. And I believe it starts in Tennessee, or you could say terminates in Tennessee. They probably argue about that colloquially locally. It's just ours. You just have part of it in your state. I'm sure they do that because everyone does that everywhere. It's just part of living, but it is a cool, cool drive, y'all. It's a beautiful drive. Something I think everyone should check out. Um, in Mississippi, ah, yes, Lafleur's Bluff, Le Fleur's Bluff State Park in Jackson, y'all. They made it a state park. Apparently, it didn't used to be. I had people comment on my YouTube video about it. Um, it's got a little bit of cool hiking, but it's got some great photography, y'all. It's swamp stuff. We got cypress trees. You got Spanish moss. Very, very cool place right in the heart of a big freaking city, Jackson, Mississippi. Go check it out. If you're ever down there, just go and check it out Um, and get you some great pictures, man. It's a great place. And it's also right in the heart of the city. You can't even really hear the interstate. You can't even really hear society going on around you. It's 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 amazing how much nature deadens that sound acoustically how much trees and moss and all of the overhanging foliage how much it kills that sound and how isolated you can feel right in the middle of such a huge freaking city it's it's a really cool place think everyone should check it out. Kentucky went to Kentucky for a while. I can't miss Kentucky. I only got a few days in Kentucky, but I loved it there. I was in Lexington. You guys, that was something I talked about recently, so I won't beat it to death. We're probably getting close to winding up the show for tonight. Kentucky was really awesome also. The things about Kentucky where you're starting to get into almost foothills that are going to eventually get you to going up into Appalachia. You're not really, it's not really a part of Appalachia, but it's becoming far less plains and it's becoming far more hilly. There's a lot of beautiful forest there. There's a lot of beautiful rivers there. I mean, we talked about Transylvania Probably, maybe, if it had, if it had held on long enough. I mean, if old Danny Boone, like he had a big old name, if he had just a little bit more sway, we might have fifty one states in the United States, and one of them be Transylvania. There's that kind of stuff. Amazing history all over this country, right there in Kentucky. Kentucky was beautiful. Lexington was beautiful. The parts of it that I saw, their downtown. I was so sad when they pulled me out of Lexington and sent me to Columbus because I had not yet had the chance to fully explore their downtown, but Lexington downtown is a gorgeous place. Like, I think the moral of all of this story is, you know I mean? Tonight, I tried to keep it, and I maybe went even too far into just about travel to try to keep it on topic for all of you peeps. What I wanted it to be for me was was a remembering, a nostalgia, a trip of nostalgia as I process the fact that I'm turning the page and moving on to a whole new chapter of my life, one that I have longed for, And one that I now, you know, I'm very excited for, can't wait to do, but also just kind of dealing with, wow, I really got to do a lot of cool stuff thanks to this thing I hated so much. And it goes back to the story we've been talking about. When life gives you lemons or hands you lemons, that was one of the recent episodes and one of them that I'm real happy with. It's one of my favorite episodes we've put out there. It's all about that paradox. And that's what you're, you know, we're kind of learning, guys. It's what I'm kind of learning. This life, very, very seldom that everything's going well you know what I mean all at once and it things are just pretty smooth sailing yeah I mean if you're loaded with money it tends to be a lot easier like it does but even those people still have things they suffer through but there's a lot less you don't you don't have nearly as much going on like when you can't pay bills as someone that can't get by that someone that don't know how to pay for the babysitter and might lose their job because they don't have no one to watch their kid life is a lot tougher for people that struggle economically but life is just always kind of both, guys, and that's the thing we got to keep our eyes open for. Life's always hard, and we're always going through struggles, and we're always dealing with losses, but there's also beautiful things happening alongside all of the things that can hurt sometimes. And that's what this really is. You know, I've mentioned so many times the the path that I started down four and a half years ago, not even at my own choosing, the path I was thrown down. It sucked a lot, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me, and I've always <laughs> this is a part of the wanderings, or the wanderings part of the wanderings part of this episode. It's always kind of perplexed me how the best thing or how the worst thing that ever happened to me could also somehow be the best. But it truly has been in almost all aspects, and this really sums it up really nicely. Big purple in and of itself, was a horrible job for the most part. You want to talk about being exploited? Don't have no dignity, y'all. You don't get to have dignity. Like, you're not allowed to have any self-respect or dignity. Like, if you show them that, they're just going to try to embarrass you. They're going to try to make you quit. Like, they'll make you hate your life. That's true. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can say whatever I want. I'll sit here and spit truth at you all day long. One of the worst things I've ever done in my life was work for Big Purple. It's not the place to go. They don't even pay you worth of crap unless you can do contingency solely, which I was able to do and did make some money. That's what it came down to is like, if I'm going to get treated like this, I should at least be getting paid to get treated like this. Um, Cause it's a lot easier. You can do, I'll let you get away with a lot more if you're putting real big wads of money in my pocket. You know what I mean? But you're either going to pay me well, or you going to respect me? You got to do one or the other. Can't get away with not doing both. And um, anyway around it, it's been a horrible experience overall. But it was an incredible experience too. And that's the whole point. It can be both, guys. That's the lesson that I've taken from this last several years and this tonight, this episode, this, you know, chapter of my life. This, It's thematically representative of everything I've been learning for so many years now. It can be both. It can be awesome and it can be horrible. But in the end, we're still alive. We're still living and we're still gaining all of the experiences. And down the road, it's a lot harder to remember the bad stuff and a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable, by the way, to remember the good stuff. And I think that Big Purple sums that up perfectly for me. And this has been a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Very long. We got an hour and a half episode tonight. Easy. I probably could have talked for another half hour, but I'll be honest with you, my throat hurts. My head's starting to hurt. Everything dries out. I'm staring into this ring light that you guys can't see. It's much brighter. Like, I've got the f-stops down on this. What you're seeing, that's how you, you know, peek behind the curtain. Anything, film or television, that's how you get good clarity. You blow it out. It's like the sun from where I'm setting, but then you stop it down in the camera so that you get the most light, but you get it down to a what's the word, A atmosphere that appears on the camera to be much darker than it really is. The sun's shining on this side of the camera and my eyes are hurting. It's been a long hour and a half of talking. So we're gonna wrap it up. I thank you guys for sticking around and and humoring me as I walked my way down kind of, I mean, really, it's not memory lane so much as I kind of worked my way through some kind of complex feelings about something that I truly hated so much for so long and longed for the day then I could say goodbye to it. And then dealing with the paradox of like, holy crap, there was some stuff you really loved about that you don't get to do anymore. That's going to be sad. But in the end, that's all I needed was to work through it because we're starting a new chapter with a much more stable life for myself. And that's going to be great for all of the college classes I'm taking. It's going to be great for me and my daughter more than anything we're going to have so much more time together it's going to be good even for you guys because i'm going to be it's going to be far easier for me to make episodes and keep my mind where it needs to be with the job like i am now taking on that doesn't require you to set on your pride every day forget that you're a human and basically go out there and do things that you wouldn't think a human body is capable of doing 14 hours at a time for 21 days straight or 14 days straight or it doesn't even matter you guys have no idea how hard it is to be a delivery driver. Trust me. It takes, it's it's not just physical, it's mental. It's a tough, tough job. And my life just got a whole hell of a lot easier. I also got a whole hell of a lot broker. But I'm going to make it and that's all I needed. I just need the peace of mind. So it's good. It is a good change. I'm just sad about all the awesome times that I have had over the last few years anyway, let's wrap it up. Let's be done with it. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. I hope that you got something of interest in it. You know, in the end, big picture, what I hope you took out of it, it doesn't matter where you go or where you are, there is something interesting or something beautiful for you to go and see or do or capture or paint or what the heck ever it is you love to do, a trail to ride this whole country, this whole world. No matter where you are and how boring you think it is, it's just because you're not looking. I'm telling you from experience, if you look, it's there. Get off your butt, go out there, and live the life you want to live. And while you're doing it, look around. This is, I think, the biggest lesson I hope that everyone will someday take if they listen to my show. It's what I'm about. Make those connections. Talk to the your waitress and your waiter at the restaurant. Talk to the people that you come into contact with at the visitor centers and the hiking trails and the river, the, the trail heads. Talk to them, get to know them. Y'all, that's key to our whole world getting better is the more people we know and the more people different from us that we can see as human and not just little robots, some other group of people that we don't know anyone. As soon as you know them, and see how human they are, suddenly that wall disappears. And that's what this is all about. This should really be an anthropology podcast. I didn't even realize it. You know, it's just been me from the beginning trying to talk about the things I truly care about. And it just dawned on me recently the other day as I got into, you know, my college classes and am going down that road of chasing an anthropological degree, I'm going, Justin, you've been doing that on the podcast. This is what anthropology is. Let's see each other, understand each other, and see how we can take our knowledge of that and make it into a better future. That's what it's all about. How can we make our world a little bit better by learning about everything we've already done and everything we're doing right now? That's really what it comes down to. Any way around it. I have rambled and rambled and rambled, as I told you that I would, but it is time to draw this one to a close. I thank you guys for hanging around this long. If you want to get in touch my at gmail.com. For anything else, waywardstories.com. There's also a contact form there. There are photo galleries. There are links to all of our social platforms except TikTok. I've not updated that yet, but you can find me on TikTok as Wayward Stories. And I promise soon I will be populating that as soon as I get to make some new material and get the time. Other than that, guys, you know, there's not a lot I've got to say. I hope that you will please take the time to rate, review and subscribe wherever you are listening to this or subscribe on YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube. Y'all, if y'all got stuff to say say it to me. I love interacting with you. Even if it's critical, let's talk about it. If there's something you don't like, tell me about it. I need to know so I can adjust it or tell you, sorry, that's how it's going to be. Get in touch with me. Anyway, you guys, I will see you again in a couple of weeks. I hope until then you have a great couple of weeks. Y'all go out there, see the world, live in the world, experience the world and be good to each other.